Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Friday, it's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program. Sandy, welcome back to the microphone. Hey, it's good to be here. We do something unique on our Friday program, and that is to look at the world as it really is and try to learn a spiritual lesson from it. But I don't want to be trite about these things. That's a big risk, because it would be really easy to try to just kind of stuff in a little spiritual lesson here and make it sound like a bumper sticker. I don't want to be about that. I want to actually find out what God's doing in the world and let it resonate. Mm. And if there is something that's an undercurrent, if there's an emotion that's raised by a certain news story, we're asking ourselves why. The emotion is a part of our being that's most closely tied to our spiritual life, I believe. Yeah. And because of that, we're more likely to actually take the spiritual lessons, the truths, the scripture itself more seriously. So to be emotionally involved in the scripture, I think, is something that's kind of required, natural. If we're going to approach something that is eternal, that is effervescent, that is evanescent, that is out there in the sphere of higher realms, we would call it the spirit of God (laughs) or the spirit of the living Christ, they seem very mystical, just even use the terms. But we are talking about a presence, as close as I am from you across this table talking about this today. This is what we believe happens for Christians who are pursuing Christ. He comes close to us, as close as our heart and our next thought. And this story, by the way, that you're going to be reading from, is one of those tearjerkers in family, relationships, children, all the things that just hit the hot buttons. It's like a (laughs) Pixar movie waiting to happen. (laughs) But it's also a beautiful story, and it's one that I've admired deeply because of the things you and I have done as we've traveled with our kids. There's also, I believe, a lesson in it for us that we need to take to heart today. Yeah, this has got to be something we talk about on Compassion Radio 360. It tugged our heartstrings to the point of tears for both of us. That's not always the criteria that we look for. But like you said, it is important that we pay attention to those movements inside of us (laughs) when, when they happen. And what is bringing that about? What does God want to teach us through those things? I pray that that's how I live my life, that Mm. I feel the movement of the Holy Spirit in me and I make note of it and I take notice and I pursue what God is saying through that. There are plenty of people that want to see a devil on every fence post and thereby have a cause. They want to have something to fight against. There are others just see God in everything. And it's a very innocent and gentle thing. They love the Lord. They know he's present. They know he made all the stuff around us. He made us. So they assume that God's going to be present. And that's a marvelous place to start, but it can also become a very small eddy of experience where you don't stretch and go outside of your experience to find out where God is that you have not been. Mm -hmm. This story is about that stretching every boundary, every boundary of hope, of future, of resolve, of experience, of community, of family. We have a family in the story that was facing the unthinkable. Yeah. Talk about it. This family is from Canada, and they have four children like us, Mm -hmm. they noticed that their daughter Mia was having some difficulties when she was about three years old with her vision. Mm -hmm. And so obviously as a parent, you're concerned about that. They tried to work with her and the doctors were like, maybe she'll need glasses or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so a few years after they took her to a specialist, she was diagnosed with a rare genetic condition called retinitis pigmentosa. It's something people probably heard about. Yeah, and it causes a loss or decline in vision over time. So it's a progressive disease. And it's genetic. And there's no cure for it. 
Kind of like macular degeneration, which is another kind of exactly. impairment of vision. Something just happens where the cells begin to decline much earlier in life than they should. Yeah. It's devastating. And the prognosis can be very, very poor. Yeah. So the progress of this disease in their family didn't just stop with Mia. No, they begin to notice that two of their sons also were displaying evidence of this disease or this condition. Their son, Colin, who was seven, and Laurent, who was five, were diagnosed with the same condition. So that's kind of devastating. Three out of four of your children being diagnosed with a rare genetic condition that is not curable. Not life-threatening, necessarily. Life-altering. But life-altering, for sure. So they did something really amazing in my point of view. And you and I talked about this for years when we were homeschooling our children. <laughs> Let's just go on the road. Let's just take a bus and travel the world or travel yeah, and this country. in small country. segments, we've actually done we've that. We've actually done that a little bit, yes. So this all was happening back in 2019 when three of the four children were confirmed to have this disease. Their other son, Leo, the youngest, was given the all clear, which is probably a relief, but also he may have felt a little guilty about it. I don't know. It doesn't really say in the article. Being young, probably didn't think about it much. Yeah. But imagine what would happen, though, if all these years go by and nothing was done for the family or to address the issue that you are the one that's lucky. Mm. You are the chosen one. You don't have to deal with this disease, but all of your brothers and sisters do. That can be a real rift in families. Resentments can grow. Shame can happen. All kinds of survivor guilt ideas come to mind. Mm. This is tough. These kids are going to have very different experiences as they grow up and probably different sets of fears. Yeah. But they're still family. Yeah. Well, it sounds like this family did it the right way or is doing it the right way. They have been very inclusive in their pursuit of dreams and in Mm. their pursuit of joy. They did a really beautiful, brilliant thing. They decided to take a world tour. Yeah, well, that's simple enough. (laughs) The the impetus for this, though, was kind of interesting. When the mother sat down saying, what do I want my kids to know? Mm -hmm. And then looking at a children's book where an elephant was in the book, and she decided, I don't want to just read about an elephant in the book. I want to show my kids a real elephant. Right, right. The doctors actually suggested that they just engross their children with visual memories. Just Mm -hmm. pour it into them. Every kind of visual memory that you can come up with, everything that you can experience, Pour that into your children so by midlife, when this disease probably has robbed them of their sight by then, they will have those visual memories. When someone says to them, oh, these mountains are beautiful, they have a visual perception of that. They know what the mountains look like. Something else came to mind when you told me about this recommendation from the doctor to go ahead and do this. You know, when you crowd your mind with visual memories, that's one thing. You can sit here and watch TV all day and be crowded with visual memories. What they're doing is multi-sense They go out in the world and they're going to feel the sun on their faces. They're going to see the vistas. They're going to smell things. They're going to taste new things. They're going to feel new things as they walk new places. It is not just a visual memory. This is an integrated, holistic memory they're building on so many fronts. Right. And they're building it in context of them. Yeah, as a family, which I think is a beautiful thing. We have so many memories as a family of places that we've traveled together that one word can be spoken between the six of us and instantly we know what they're talking about. And you're there and all of the experience of it. And you see it in your mind. Floods over your brain. Yeah, exactly. So the diagnosis brings an urgency for this family. And it's one of those things that as a parent, you feel this overwhelming sense of responsibility to provide your children with the best things possible 
for their entire life to prepare them for their future and to solidify their foundation. So this couple had apparently traveled a lot before they had children and before they were married. It sounds very familiar to me and to you as well about our own lifestyle. So they thought, we can do this. Our life is organized in such a way that we can pull this off. We can travel. We can have all of these great adventures and experiences with our children and for our children. And it's not only about the scenery, like you were saying. It's also the cultures and the people and the smells and the taste and touch of every different part of the world. I mean, they could go to a zoo and Mm -hmm. see an elephant. But if you're in Africa... And you do a safari. And you go on safari and you see them in the wild. That's a completely different experience. The timing of this is really interesting to me, too, because they're in 2019. So they're making big plans now for a big adventure. Mm -hmm. Something else was going to be a a curveball for them. We were in the same situation with our kids in 2019. Mm -hmm. We literally took most of them. Our oldest one had gotten married and didn't have the time to be able to break off to go with us. But we took all our other kids to Europe and toured throughout Eastern Europe to visit many of the ministries that we have spent personal time with and have talked about on this program. We traveled nine countries in a month, yeah, all the way to the border of Ukraine and back through Central Europe and went to Austria, Poland, and Czech Republic, and we finally flew home. It was a phenomenal trip because we saw things that we had never seen ourselves in all those years, and our family saw them together. But it was right when COVID slammed into Europe. Yeah. So by the time we got home, there was no chance it could have possibly have happened for us in 2020. So how did this family negotiate all that? Well, they planned to leave in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's a big roadblock right there. They were going to go traveling through Russia by land and then spending time in China. But they had to delay their trip, obviously, for a number of years because mm-hmm. of travel restrictions and the pandemic. So they were continually revising their travel itinerary until they were able to get it solid and say, okay, now we can actually do this. So they left Montreal in March of 2022. So mm. they are in the middle of this. on the road right now wow. as we are broadcasting this, which is so exciting. They ended up leaving without an itinerary. Mm. They just said, okay, we have some ideas of where we want to go. We'll plan maybe a month ahead and we'll see what yeah. happens. But they just want to experience life together. They created something of a bucket list before Mm -hmm. they left. They asked their kids what they wanted to do. That would be such a great memory to hold for you. And Mia wanted to go horseback riding. Laurent wanted to drink juice sitting on a camel. (laughs) So so you're hearing about the wish list of tweeters and small children. Yeah, small children. And they're like, if we can make that happen, we're going to make that happen. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Mia wanted to go horseback riding Laurent wanted to drink juice sitting on a camel. <laughs> so, 
So You're some, hearing about the wish list yeah. of tweeters and small children. Yeah, small yeah. children. And they're like, if we can make that happen, we're going to make that happen. Yeah. They um, began their trip in Namibia. Mm. Not Up one of the close. top 10 countries you would think of visiting when you get to Africa, <laughs> right. but it is full of wonders. Yes. And it's one of the least traveled countries in Africa as well. Mm-hmm. And it was full of all of the animals that they wanted to see, the elephants, the zebras, the giraffes. And then they went to Zambia and Tanzania, and then they flew to Turkey, and they spent a whole month in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And then they went Which, to, by the way, is the cradle of what we consider modern Christian civilization. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And then they went to Mongolia and on to Indonesia. So they have just been bouncing all over the world. Wherever they can find the next good deal on a flight to go somewhere, they were so. off. They're focusing on the sites. Mm-hmm. What are the sites in these places that would be significant for our children to see? Also, fauna and flora, they mm-hmm. said. We want them to see plants, different kinds of trees and flowers and vegetation in these countries and the different kinds of animals that are in these countries and how different they are from the animals in other countries. As schooling, they're learning so much the about variety of the, the earth. cultures and the earth itself, as they, well as fun. These memories, of course, are being anchored in all the senses. And they've said that smell itself is the most fundamental right. sense we will recognize and be able to reproduce an idea about or a memory of all through our lives. Even people with dementia at the very end of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. can, through music or through a smell, be taken back to a place where the memory still exists. These people are traveling together to see and feel and taste and touch and smell those things. Mm -hmm. When the sight finally goes away, all the other senses are able to integrate and bring back a visual memory so Mm -hmm. that their mind does not lose their visual of the world as they've seen it. These will be things that these kids will talk about for the rest of their lives. That is the thing I love so much about trips that we've been on. When I hear our children talk about those trips and they'll say, oh, this happened and that happened. And and I'm, as the mom, I'm going, when did that happen? I don't remember that happening. Did I go on that trip with you? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Don't you remember this or that? And so it's really fun to bounce those things Mm. off of each other. Of course, my memory is probably not as great as it should be either, Mm. but it's a joy for me to hear our kids talk about this mm-hmm. trip. So I know these parents are experiencing that joy as well. And yeah. seeing the looks on their kids' faces when they experience something new is priceless. Yeah, I mean, that's a great thing for the parents to be experiencing We as say well. that the golden years are when we are past having children in the house with us and we're on our own and we don't have to work anymore. I think it's exactly the opposite. Mm. Those are the silver and platinum years. But the golden years for me are the ones where, you know, we had a very large say in what kind of experiences our kids would have up to a certain age. Yeah. They weren't striking out yet to discover everything else on their own terms. They would get there. Mm. And all of our kids have done just that. But during that time when they were all at home and our universe revolves around the unit that is our family, you know, it's our responsibility as parents to make that universe travel yeah. To go and encounter other universes, other families, other experiences, because it's enriching. And it literally keeps us from things like suspicion and hate and prejudice. Yeah. Looking down on anybody or anything mm-hmm. because it's not so different anymore because we've been part of it. And when something in the world becomes part of your heart and your experience, it's very hard to go about hating yourself. Mm. I've always encouraged parents, make an effort somehow, some way to go encounter other people, mm-hmm. to be with them, to sit at their table, eat their food, let them host you, let them love on you. Learn about hospitality by accepting it. 
Yeah. And I think it's the most important thing to do as far as learning how to be hospitable is to study under someone who's good at it. (laughs) You don't just make it up and be the only person who ever gives. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really give until you've learned how to receive. I believe that strongly. One of the things that their mom said was that they're going to need to be very resilient mm-hmm. as they grow. And so their hope is to develop coping skills and a strong ethic as they travel and getting to know other people and meeting other cultures and being able to adapt yeah. to new things. If they were in Namibia and then in Mongolia and then Indonesia, Those are vastly different cultures. There are things that are expected of you in each of those cultures that are not expected back home in Canada where this family is from. So having to learn to adapt and, like you said, to accept hospitality from other people, but accepting hospitality not on my own terms, but on the terms of those who are offering it. Yeah. Being an open, willing recipient of that hospitality. We always and bring something to it. That's what this family is teaching yeah. their children. And I think that's so beautiful. I hope that we've been able to teach our very healthy children, eyesight-wise and, and otherwise, those same things. Mm-hmm. You can say this is the ultimate homeschool trip, yeah, exactly. which is what it is. We get tired and there's frustration. You know, Young children don't really understand how to navigate all of those frustrations and tiredness. We talk about all the sardines stuck in one can. (laughs) Exactly. They're having some interesting conversations through this time. Their daughter, Mia, is beginning to ask difficult questions. You know, what does it mean to be blind? Mm. Am I going to be able to drive a car? That's coming from the young ones, too. You know, what is my life going to look like? What is it going to be like, feel like, taste like when I get older and I'm not able to see? It reminds me that sometimes the safest place to ask hard questions is when you're out of your mm-hmm. safe zone, mm-hmm. when you are completely beyond the limits of everything you thought you controlled. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you feel free to actually deal with something that you were not willing to beforehand. Yeah. I've seen that happen in my own life. God prompts me saying, it's time to talk about these things or look into them more. And you do. You get more free about your inquisitiveness. You explore new ideas. You think about what ifs and what could be's. Those are all important things, too, about maturing, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking as well. Well, speaking of spiritually speaking, <laughs> what can we glean from this? And how can we point this toward God? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> In John fourteen nine is where my mind landed after we talked about this family and their travels, because it has to do with perceiving things as they really are. They're going to experience an elephant, not a picture of an elephant. Mm-hmm. They've already done that. They've gone and reenacted scenes from movies like Lion King on top of a hill in Namibia. They've done all <laughs> kinds of things where they've brought to life things yes. which were just facsimiles or mm-hmm. thin versions of them. A ghost they know. Now they know the real substance by going there. So on the spiritual level, this verse has always intrigued me when Jesus was talking to his disciples. They're getting close to the point where he's saying, I have to go away now. Mm -hmm. They keep asking, when when are we going to finally see the Father? As if it's something like a political or military takeover, like God's going to march in on a horse and look just like Jesus physically, and therefore we'll know he's there and he's going to take command finally. Jesus has been trying to show them all along that God is already here. He doesn't have the form you think he has. He's not Zeus. He's not some Greek or Roman God. God is the creator of all things and made everything. In fact, even the matter that Jesus himself is inhabiting. He is the expression of God the Father. And they have a very hard time comprehending that. We do too today. Absolutely. The idea that God could be in the flesh and the word at the same time. So... 
In his frustration, Jesus says to Philip, Have I been with you for so long a time that you do not know me yet, Philip, nor recognize clearly who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Hmm. Sometimes we ask to see the wrong thing, Hmm. and it's not the thing that God really wants to show us. I'm sure that these kids traveling with their parents around the world were greatly surprised about what they actually saw versus what they thought they would see. Sometimes we have an idea in our mind, a preconceived Mm -hmm. notion of what something is supposed to look like or supposed to be like or what a person is supposed to be like. Like a hero that you meet for the first time. Absolutely. And we have this whole idea of them built up in our mind. Then when we actually see the real thing, Mm -hmm. we don't recognize it. Or we don't take it seriously or value Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. we should because we have this other notion that we wish that was true and not this. Well, I remember growing up, I've always liked elephants and you know that about (laughs) me. And I have quite a collection of uh, miniature elephants from different countries that we've been to. But I remember as a little girl going to the zoo in San Antonio, Texas, and seeing elephants and thinking, wow, that's just an amazing creature. And it is, regardless of where you see it. And then in 1986, I went to Africa. Mm. We went on safari when I was there. And I was stunned by the actual enormity of elephants. Even the babies. Even the babies. (laughs) One elephant was bigger than the van that we were in, and it was terrifying. Yeah. It flapped its ears, and it was kind of, get out of here, it was saying yeah. to us, basically, when You're we got it close. Way. That's maybe what we think about God. We go mm. to church, and we see God in church, quote unquote. We think, oh, wow, God is magnificent, yeah. and how awesome is God? And then we get out in the wild, and God really shows up, mm-hmm. and we are stunned to silence. Yeah. Because God is so much more than we could have even imagined in church. And not just in power and strength. Jesus is revealing a God here that doesn't meet expectations. He's revealing a very kind and gentle and loving and empathetic God who the Old Testament children of Israel didn't really experience as much. Or expect to experience. Yeah. How can you see me and not see the Father is what Jesus is saying to Philip. Mm -hmm. Well, I can resonate a bit with Philip's lack of understanding or his disappointment, perhaps, in what he thought he was going to see in God. And looking forward to the thing behind Jesus (laughs) and not looking at Jesus Jesus himself for who he really is. I think about the greatest thing you could discover visually, spiritually, emotionally, would be God looking you in the eye. Mm. And here's Jesus talking and looking Philip in the eye saying, don't you get it yet? Yeah. Now, this family that is our example today, they're traveling the world, and every time they have an experience, I bet they finally say to themselves, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I've seen it for myself. I've gotten scared of the big elephant next to my van. I've Whatever. <laughs> They're going to have many more of those experiences and will have many books to write, I'm sure, that will help other people to be brave, to step mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And many books you and I read over the years gave us the courage to say, we can't just settle for just being in California or Texas or Michigan. We have to go see the world because mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah. And this is the only lifetime I'm going to have to be able to see what God's doing out there and what it's made of. I won't have that opportunity later that I know of. We're not promised anything beyond death that would say, we'll go see the world now. Yeah. This is the time for us, and it's the time for our family. It's the time for God's family to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And we've never been more able than now yeah. to get to know each other and become family. I think also one of the things that this does for you when you 
expand your vision, if you want to say that, like this family has done, expand the vision of their children. Mm -hmm. It's given them an idea of how big and important and beautiful and significant things are around the world. It's also reminded them of how big and important and beautiful and significant things are at home. Yes. And they have been intentional about saying, yeah, this is a great world that we live in and we're doing this for our children because this is our story. Your story needs to be your story. Mm -hmm. And the way you look at the world can also expand even if you don't have opportunities to travel outside of your city or your bubble or wherever you are. You can purposefully and intentionally expand your vision, expand your understanding of the world around you. It's a choice. Yeah, just by getting to know your neighbors. I get the impression that this particular family, if they had not known early on about retinitis pigmentosa and had suffered the consequences of it before they knew any better, would still probably have chosen, how can we make our kids' lives magnificent? Mm -hmm. And they would have chosen an adventure even then. I believe that's the kind of spirit they have. So whatever's gone before, whatever the situation is now, whatever you expect of the future to come, I do believe that now has real power when we're giving it on the altar to God saying, what do you want to do with my life? How do you want to be present with us? How do we get to experience you and all the wonderful things you've made and make a choice to do it? I think it's a beautiful thing. The article that we've been reading from today, we have a link on our website that can provide you a jump to actually read the story and see the wonderful pictures from their travels so far. Mm -hmm. And that's available every time we do a Compassion Radio 360 story. We'll always have a link to the source article that inspired our discussion. So check that out on our website, CompassionRadio.com. They also have Facebook and Instagram pages. So if you're into that, then click on those links as well and you can see some regular updates yeah. about their travels Continue and, to and the things the that are happening in their family. Thanks so much for joining us today and we'll see you next Monday for the next Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.